freedom. When uh, most people think of, of freedom, um, they pretty much think of it as being able to act as you want, act as you please. Right? Or not? When you look at the um, dictionary, there's two main definitions that they use. One means to not be imprisoned or enslaved, which is understandable. But the second is defined as the power or the right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Well, the Vedas teach something completely different that is not characterized as freedom. You remember that movie years ago? Um, what's his name? Jim Carrey. And he was like a... What do they call it? The, uh, hi, the Truman Show. Yeah. So here he was, trapped in this artificially created world, thinking he was living a normal and natural life, but this had been created, this world, so that people could capitalize off him. He was a reality show and didn't know about it. And so he's living out. He, he doesn't understand that things are happening to him, that people that he are meeting, it's not just happening because of his decision or freedom, it's been engineered. And of course, when he discovered that reality, everything imploded and it was just a, a giant nightmare and really tragic. There is a, a, an, um, an amazing parallel between that and what we consider to be freedom in this world. The freedom or the ability or the power to do what you want is only one part of the story. We must look also at the fact that we are controlled, utterly controlled, by the laws of material nature, the laws of karma, and there's something a little bit more insipid going on. The Patanjali explains in the Yoga Sutra that when you act, it creates or it affects your consciousness. It affects the way that you will desire going forward. And every act that you make 
you are going to be accountable for. It is going to determine what happens to you going into the future, what type of life experience that you are going to have and what kind of a death you are going to have. But on top of that, not only are you creating karmic fruit that you must taste, whether they be sweet or bitter, you are becoming conditioned to think a certain way, to act a certain way. Your actions are not just a product of your free will. That's actually really childlike and naive to think that we are that free. That's absolutely not true. And the situation has become incredibly worse because of the influence of technology and social media and the, the, the way in which people are utterly manipulated. You're, you're told what's cool. Well, I mean, we, we've mentioned in the past some of these things, and I'll just make reference to one. There is this f fashion, fashion up until about 1920 was something that the rich, the extremely wealthy dabbled in. The common person had little appreciation or room for fashion. People were trained in this idea that clothing is an expression of your individuality. That's so much crap. <laughs> it's just absolutely not true. I'm sorry. It's an idea that was plucked out of the eye, out of the air and utilized by Eddie Bernays, the nephew of Sigmund Freud, to manipulate people. And they began to use popular, they began with women first because they saw them as the easier targets. And they used aviators and women who had excelled and, you know, they had recently acquired the right to vote, which was astonishing that they weren't allowed to vote. But anyway, here we are, supposedly more enlightened now, but nothing's really changed. We're still being subject to enormous amounts of manipulation in the way that we think. We have become deeply addicted to things. How many people can truthfully say that they can right now set aside their cell phone and not use the computer for anything, anything other than just email? Set aside your phone for one week, just now, right now. Send out an email to everyone if there's a screaming emergency. Get me on my landline or send me an email <laughs> and just put that phone aside and stay off social media for a week. Most people cannot do it. If you are in a meeting with someone and they're there and you reach across the table and just take their phone and move it out of their reach and begin to continue engaging. That person's mind is over there. It's like, why did you do that? Why have you done that? What and then it's vibrating and buzzing and it's like, you know, you just feel this compulsion 
to have to answer everything. And you think you're free? No, absolutely not free. We are, we are deeply enslaved. We are controlled on so many levels. And this idea that just because I can choose whatever I want to do right now and can do it, I am therefore free, is naive. This guy is so mean. <laughs> I, I will read you a verse um, from the Bhagavad Purana, which gives a whole nother. Um, well, before I, before I go there, let me just let me continue with this this thought. The yoga system was meant for people's complete freedom, their liberation from all forms of suffering and entanglement. It was a process by which a person could become truly liberated and free. There was this understanding that we are existing on a never-ending cycle of what was called samsara that begins with birth and with that birth that little tiny baby that shows up naked and all pure and innocent no I'm sorry it's not pure and innocent it comes with a mountain of baggage which will be gradually unpacked through your life so you will experience many things that came from previous activity. And you will go through a period of growth and development. You will enter old age. You will suffer from diseases and you will face death. And based upon the state of your consciousness at the time of death, if you are not in a liberated state, then you will be obliged to take birth again in some other place and some other family who knows where could be a slum in calcutta or manila or it could be beverly hills in america it could be anywhere depending on how you've been living but that's not a life of freedom Freedom means that you are no longer accountable for your actions and things. You are no longer accountable. You have begin, begun a life of, of conscious choice and clarity. A life, a transcendental life that carries with it no material fruit, sweet or bitter. This is how freedom was understood. You know, just to be able to tiptoe through the daisies at a music festival, wildly enjoying the company of friends or family at the beach or just 
being able to so-called enjoy life doesn't mean you're free. You're just setting yourself up for a continuation of, of what you're currently experiencing or have experienced or will experience. Just a continuation. So in the Bhagavad Purana, it has an astonishing definition of, of a number of things. It says, one who is enriched with good qualities is actually said to be rich. So rich or to be wealthy was not defined by how much money you had in your pocket, hand or bank. It was determined by the qualities that you had cultivated. And if you are endowed, enriched, enriched, your life had become enriched with good qualities, then you are to be rich. One who is unsatisfied in life is actually poor. It's like, whoa. How many people are unsatisfied? <laughs> you know, if we're honest, everybody's hand shoots up. And this is considered an impoverished condition to not be experiencing actual satisfaction. A wretched person is one who cannot control their senses. What? What? <laughs> I mean, this is, this is how insane the world has become, that we live in a time when we are constantly bombarded with the message of just do it. Whatever you aspire to be, whatever you want to experience, whatever's going on, without any thoughts of repercussions or anything else, to just do it. And this is a crappy message that everybody is eating up because we're constantly pounded with it, which makes it so we are ideal consumers and can so easily be exploited. That's what it's all about. It's so crass. It's unbelievable. It's totally gross. A dignified life. A compassionate life, a happy life, will bear this hallmark of control, where one does not just give in to urges and desires and whatever's going on in the mind. Because that can't lead to a good place. That can only lead to unlimited and ongoing just suffering that just goes on for lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. And to feel that you are free to just act on your desires and whatever's going on in your mind doesn't mean you're liberated or happy. No, there will be consequence to every single choice that you make and every act 
that you engage in. There will be a consequence. A wretched person is the one who cannot control his senses, whereas the one who is not attached to the gratification of the senses is someone who is actually in control. And one who attaches himself to the gratification of sensual desire is just the opposite. Such a person is in fact a slave. You can have all the money in the world, you can attempt to fulfill and satisfy every single desire. It doesn't mean you are free. What you are developing is a network, a network of attachment, a network of desires that just pulls you further and further into material existence, where one can never find the perfect and perpetual happiness that we seek, the peace in which we seek. And so there is this principle in the yoga system that teaches that the exercise of control under the guidance of a spiritual mentor or teacher, one learns to exercise control. I mean, we all hear this term, you know, instant gratification. And of course, the reality is, if you feel like you must act on a desire to, to gratify that desire, in reality, you don't become gratified. It just turns you into more of a monster overwhelmed with desires. Look at, it, look at a child. You know, children are really... I mean, I, I reflect on my own childhood and I reflect on raising children. You know, a child can see something and want it <laughs> and just start throwing a wobbly and you're in the store or something, you know, and they're just like really wanting something and it's like the end of the world if they don't get it. Or you've got some bratty teenager who's throwing a wobbly and has no control and just thinks, you know, everybody's got it, why can't I have one? You know, just all emotional or throwing a tantrum, the kid on the floor, because they're not getting what they want. And this thing is going to solve all their problems. It's going to make their life perfect. The parent relents because it's kind of like such an embarrassment here. And you're not allowed to smack your kids anymore. That's, you know, just so uncool, you know. And it's like, okay, so you give it to them. And then they go home with it. And for a day or two, they are totally thrilled with it. It's like, oh, and they're just playing with it, whatever it is. And then where is it? It's sitting over there in the corner. And for the next week, it's hardly touched. It's there with all the other stuff. And then some other kids come over or cousins or something. And somebody sees it and goes, oh, wow. And they go for it. They go for it because they want to hold it and play with it. And what does the kid normally do? The normal reaction, of 
course, there are some exceptional kids, but they're few and far between. The normal reaction is, don't touch that, that's mine, that's mine. <laughs> and they're going to go over and start fighting over it and pulling it. They haven't touched it for two, three, four, five days a week. Two weeks it's been sitting there. They haven't touched it. Just because somebody else is going to go get it, they're going to throw a wobbly. Hey, that is a reflection of our life. We don't grow out of that as we get older. We just learn how to be cool about it. <laughs> we learn not to show these things. But these are examples. If we want to get into it, um, very analytically, then we will discover that we do have this problem. We do have this problem of being actually, the term used is enslaved by our minds, by our desires, and the eternal spiritual being who is residing within the body remains unfulfilled, unhappy, lonely. To become free, to escape the cage of material desire and the control of the mind, to experience the true liberation of my actual spiritual personality, is freedom. And it is what this yoga process is all about. That's it, folks. Was that too serious or we're okay with that? We, we dish it out over here. Sorry if that upsets anyone. We're not into the light and fluffy, flaky stuff that actually doesn't benefit anybody and makes it so people continue to be trapped in material existence and unhappiness. Our desire is that all people, all living beings, come to the platform of tasting their actual, I'll call it a birthright, but it's not anything to do with the birth of the body. I use that term because it is our right, it is our spiritual right to be totally free, to experience unlimited pleasure, happiness, to be immersed in an ocean of spiritual love where we are not just utterly satisfied, we are lost in an ocean of ecstatic existence. Sounds a little bit better than our lives, right? Currently? Certainly hope so. So, um, of course, the method of attaining this state, the method of becoming free, is the process of meditation. Meditation upon the spiritual sound. So I'm going to chant a mantra 
This is a very ancient mantra. It was Srila Vyasadeva, who is the compiler of the Vedas and who is one of the founding um, teachers in our spiritual lineage. After the compilation of the entire Vedas, he felt that there needed to be one additional work that was to be his crowning glory. It contained the essence of all spiritual knowledge. And this was called the Bhagavad Purana. And the mantra he used in the invocation, and this is over 5,000 years ago, was this Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So we will sing this mantra and um, add Om Hari Om at the end.
very much. <laughs>